Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. Dr. Lee Warren here with you, and I am so excited to bring you another brand new Tuesdays with Tata episode. Tata and I sat down on Sunday afternoon on an incredibly beautiful day and had a wonderful conversation. As always, we went deep into his wisdom and insight into scripture, and we learned some lessons about how God tends to show up. We all want to think that God's going to show up in the storm and a big boom and a thunder, and it's going to be super obvious. But if you look at scripture for a while, He's much more of a gentleman than that, and sometimes he shows up in the the most surprising ways, and we had a great conversation. If you're hurting, if you're reeling from something, if you're on a journey from a place of massive trauma or tragedy or something else that's happened in your life, and you're looking for some hope, today we're going to give you some insight into a new way to make sure that you're on the lookout, because that's right when God tends to show up as the great physician the great counselor, the great helper who wants to come alongside and be with us in our struggles. So it's a great, encouraging conversation with Tata. I learned a lot from him as always, and I think it's going to benefit you. And that leaves us really with just one question. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. Are you ready to change your life? Well, this is the place, Self-Brain Surgery School. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and this is where we go deep into how we're wired, take control of our thinking, and find real hope. This is where we learn to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. This is where we leave the past behind and transform our minds. This is where we start today. Are you ready? This is your podcast. This is your place. This is your time, my friend. Let's get after it. Hello, my friend. We're back on a beautiful Sunday afternoon looking out at the incredibly blue sky and the cool air of fall. And I'm here with my main man, Dennis McDonald. How are you? I'm really well. And since it's Sunday, it must be Tuesdays with Tata. (laughs) It sounds like it is. (laughs) It must be. How are you doing today, Dad? I'm well. How are you? Good. We had an incredible worship service this morning and just uh, still thinking about what the preacher said. Yeah, I I can't uh, think about anything, much of anything else. Amazing. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you have for us today, Tata? Well, uh, we're, uh, first of all, I'd let you know that I'm in Mark chapter 6 to begin with, uh, beginning where, where Jesus walks on the water. Uh, but it, it, what, what, what prompted me to do that, was to look at that, was because we just finished talking about Abraham talking to the Lord and negotiating with the Lord yeah. about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm sure that in that case, he was worried about uh, uh, Lot and his family. Yeah. But and then we we saw uh, saw all all uh, another case with uh, Elijah, where the Lord appeared to him, and Elijah had just given up. But the Lord appeared to him, came to him, talked to him. Yeah. Came to him in a still small voice, and and then uh, and, and then other cases where where. People negotiated with the Lord and made made deals about what they should be doing. Yeah. Even after the Lord had said to them, "I have chosen you," isn't that something? That is that is I'm, that's stunning to me that the Lord said, "I have chosen you." Wow! You you will be the old man of valor. Yep. And so all of that prompted me to look at look at look at the the, how Jesus would respond because we know that Jesus is 
is a direct, he's an exact image of God himself. That's right. He, he, he does nothing of his own accord unless the Father tells him to. That's correct. He thinks the same way. He sees things the same way. But here again, some of these things, I'm trying to understand how God works with us and how he walks with us and how we walk with him. And to, to talk to set what Mark is describing here is they had just Jesus had just fed the and it was five thousand men so the math simple math would tell you that's probably about twenty or twenty five thousand people because those were they had to have families yeah uh, with five lo- loaves of bread and two fish yeah fed them amazing and then they picked up twelve baskets full of of remnants that's right but after that was over with. The, the Lord said to the, to the disciples, get in a boat, go across, the, go across the shore to the other shore, and I will meet you there. Yeah. Not one comment about how are you going to get there. That's right. Not, no, they didn't even bother to ask. Maybe they didn't think about that. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, and the Lord, but he, he said to them that he was going to dismiss the crowd, and he did. And then he went up on a mountain to pray. But an interesting, interesting thing is in the record here that is so stunning to me. In, in verse 48, and he saw that the, they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Yeah. So they were, they were, a storm came up on the, on the lake, on the sea, and, it, and they were fighting to get across because the wind was contrary, blowing from the wrong direction for them. Yeah. So they were having to row the boat, no doubt. And because the sails would have been no value going into the into the and these were men that were fishermen, yeah, and so they were acquainted with what that life was like. That's they right. knew what to do in the storm. But Jesus saw them, and Jesus was still on the land. Yeah, he was on the mountain. He saw them that they were having trouble. Yeah, he saw that they were having trouble. That's amazing thought. Because and, and then about the fourth watch, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably about 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. So what does that say? How long did the Lord pray? Because evening time came, and that's when he sent them, sent them across the sea. Yeah. And he went up onto the mountain. He prayed all night. But he still saw them. And then he went to them, walking on the water. Yeah. And when they saw him, they, they, were, they were startled. They thought they thought it was a ghost. Yeah, but th- think with me just a minute, and we're just imagining, right? They're in a boat that's in, in in a storm, and I don't know how big the boat was. I don't know how it had, had to be big enough for the twelve of them to be on. So, but here's a storm, and they they were frightened because they saw someone walking on the water. Now, yep. what would you do if you saw somebody walking <coughs> on the water and you were in the middle of a storm? I'd say, get in the boat and help us row. Yeah. But he, and he did. And what happened when he got in the boat? But the interesting thing that Jesus said, and that's what caught my attention, he meant to pass them by. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to stop. Because he meant to pass them by. But he did not. He heard their cry for help. And he got in the boat, and the storm stopped. The wind ceased blowing. The sea was not against them anymore. That's right. 
So that, that but, but the point that, that here that, that gets me is he meant to pass them by. So what, what because I don't, I don't know, there's another, there's another point that they did not even understand about the feeding of the crowd because their hearts were hardened or they they couldn't understand they were they were blinded to that miracle. Yeah. All of those people being fed with a with so small amount of food. Four five loaves of bread and two fish. And they picked up twelve baskets of, of leftovers. And it went right over their head. They did. They didn't get it. And they didn't get it when they saw Jesus walking on the water either. <clears throat> but and then but when they when they did get it was when Jesus got in the boat. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons here, but the, the point that, I'm, that, that gets me, the, the comment that gets me, I guess, is he meant to pass them by. He was just going to keep on going. Yeah. So what does that say about them and, and their relationship to the Lord? And what does it say about us to, in our relationship to the Lord? I think we need it, to ask. It may have to do with this this whole idea we talked about um, on the podcast this weekend about how the Lord is a gentleman. He, he doesn't force himself on us. Yes. He he waits to be invited. He stands at the door gently knocking, as he says in the gospel in, in Matthew. And Pete Greig talked about this this and several other times when he was going to pass people by, like on the road to Emmaus. He walked with them but didn't identify himself. Yeah. Until, right. Yes. So it's it, it may be that. He wants us to invite him. He doesn't want to force himself on us. He's, right. he's gentle and lowly. He's humble. That's right. But at the same time, he knows our heart. Yeah. Because think of that. He was on a mountain on the land, on the shore, and he saw them in the sea, and they were having difficulty. Yeah. He could have rescued them then. Yeah. But nowhere in, in this record is there any note of, made of them asking for help. No. They didn't get it. Yeah, even though they knew he could do all these things, they still didn't ask for help. And they knew, and they saw the miracles. They saw pe- sick people healed. They had seen dead people raised, raised back, brought back to life. Yeah. But the, the, what they what they did witness was was overwhelming to me. Think about feeding that many people with that so that with five loaves of bread yeah. and two fish. Yeah. So what, is, what does that say about our heart and, and our mind and how we perceive who God is? He said, ask. Jesus said, ask, and you'll receive. That's right. I think there's always a double edge to this kind of thought process. We say, well, gosh, we would have, we would have noticed him. We would have invited him in. <laughs> That's right. But yeah. at the same time, we, we kind of beat, our, we beat those guys up in retrospect. But John says it plainly, John one ten. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize That's right. him. That's so if the whole world didn't recognize him and his own disciples didn't recognize him, maybe we wouldn't either in some ways. So so we but should that, give that, them some but grace. But the other side of it is maybe it was so big they couldn't they couldn't mentally process it. Yeah. Him walking on the water. Yeah. Stopping the storm. That's when they worshipped him. Yeah. When they saw that. Yeah. So what does that say about us? Do we want to have something big? We want to see something big? We want to see something astounding? We want to see a big flash of light in the sky? 
It isn't why he came. It's not, or it's not how he comes usually. No. We talked about that last week. Like he comes in a quiet voice. He comes with a gentle knocking and with the uh, intent to pass us by if we don't notice him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And and so but, and there's and there's a lot there's a lot more to be 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 learned and and under, trying to understand. And that that's one of the things that that I try to do when I read a passage of scripture like that. What would I do if I was there? And I, and I try to dismiss the idea that, well, they didn't get it, but I would get it. No, I wouldn't. Because I would have been just like them. Yeah. I am just like them. Mm. And we're the same way. But right. these, these men were experienced at what they were doing. They had knowledge. Yeah. They had, they had been in these kind of situations before, no doubt. Yeah. And caught in the middle of a storm. Because, as I understand it, storms occur on the Sea of Galilee at, without warning. And, and think about this. this guy, those guys didn't have any Google weather or the National Weather Channel. Yeah. The only maps they may have had or only record they have had, ever had made is where they caught some fish. That's right. So they were looking, they were looking down and they were looking, they had tunnel vision. Yeah. They could not understand, even if they were made to. That's right. And they were made to when Jesus got in the boat. That's right. They didn't have a choice. He saved them, yes, yep. from the storm. But the point that, 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 that gets me is he meant to pass them by. He was just going to keep on going. Yeah, and meet them on the shore. Because that's what, that's what he had told them that he would do. Yeah. It's amazing how we we look at Jesus, so the creator of the universe, and, and with the unlimited power that he had, and he comes to us meekly and gently. And then we look at human rulers, and they come with power and pomp right. and circumstance and that's demand. Right. And we, we, we seem to want that. So that's what the people wanted then, too. They wanted a Messiah on a white horse to rescue them from Roman oppression. That's exactly and they couldn't right. wrap their minds around the fact that the real Messiah was right in their midst. And maybe that's our problem, too. Pete Greig says this, um, all this is so far from our experience of human power that we struggle to equate it with any kind of God, and yet it is simultaneously precisely our actual experience of God every day. Looking back on our lives, we can see pretty clearly where He was present, even if we hardly realized it at the time. Yeah, that's right. He's always there. He's, he's always with us. This is just what you said, Pete Grieg. Oh, by the way, Pete Grieg's going to be on the podcast in December. I'm excited about that. He writes this in his book, uh, How to Hear God. Of course, we want him to be unmissable and unmistakable, like That's you said. Right. Right. We expect him to flash all around his all-access pass to kick down the door of our lives, but instead he waits for us to invite him into our boat or our house or That's our right. heart. That's right. Because uh, why do we sin? We decide to. Mm-hmm. And the sin is out there waiting for us to pick it. That's right. That's right. And the Lord is out there waiting on us to choose Him. Could it perhaps be, friend, if you're in the midst of your massive thing, you've stro- there's so much on the prayer wall right now, Tata. There's so much happening. Can, can you imagine, though, perhaps in our vulnerable state, in the midst of our massive thing, when we're shattered and wrecked, if He did show up with that kind of thundering power, it might overwhelm us. I think that's correct. 
maybe what we need is him to be gentle and lowly That's in that right. moment That's and say, right. hey, I'm and here he for you. he knows that. Yeah. He knows that we can't process it beyond where we are. That's right. And, 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 and at the end of the day, we have a choice. We have a choice right now. Yeah. Choose him or choose to live the way we want to. That's right. Now, how do we want to live? How, whatever we want to do. And that's what's happening in our culture today. If it that's feels right. good, do it. I think we... Um... I think we ought to recognize that there's wisdom. This is one of the reasons that studying the Bible is so important. We need to recognize how God shows up and how he has a tendency to just be there waiting, mm-hmm. to even be almost unnoticeable and passing by if we're not paying attention. That's right. And maybe the posture should be, especially in the midst of our storms, especially in the midst of our grief, like the two guys on the road to Emmaus who were devastated at his death, Maybe our posture should be to be aware that God tends to show up quietly in those moments. And, and maybe that suggests, too, taking our eyes off of ourselves. That's right. And look, and, and look to him who, who has already told us that he will provide. Yep. And, he's already, and Jesus has already warned us. He told us, in this world you will have trouble, but I have come. That's right. So that you may have peace. That's right. And so, it, but as I said, the, the whole point is that it's still a choice. That's right. We get to make the choice. That's right. Uh, and I, I, we've said it before, and we've talked about it before, but because, and I've heard people say it. Well, how can a good God send people to hell? He doesn't. That's right. He does not. He, we make a choice to go there. We're all on that road. We've all been on that road to, to destruction all of our lives. Yeah. But then we decided to get off of that road. Well, the fact is it would be cruel of God to make you spend eternity with him if you spent your whole life telling him you didn't want to. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's just like that's like a cartoon that I saw. Was, why did, why, why did this God let the shooting take place in the school? Well, we took him out of the school a long time ago. We didn't want him there. <laughs> wow. That's devastating so it, to think about. See, it's still a decision. We get to the side. That's right. Mm. And so, and the next part, next next piece that I, that I looked at was in, is it recorded in Luke? And it's in Luke chapter twenty four, and it's after the resurrection of Jesus. And we see we catch up with two people. They're walking to a village from Jerusalem to a village named Emmaus. Yeah. Uh, and and so, I, we there's all kinds of depictions of who those people are. I don't know who they are. Nobody. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't have any introduction to them. That's right. We don't know if it's a husband and wife. We don't. We, but we know that they are knowledgeable. That they have been witness to, to it. They saw it. And they were walking along discussing the things that happened in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, Jesus joins them in their walk. And, she, and Jesus knew. But he still asks them, what are you talking about? And they, their, their comment to him, are you the only visitor to, to Jerusalem that doesn't know all of these things? And he said, what things? And they, they told him that it, they were talking about Jesus, who was a prophet from God, or, uh, and he was anointed by God, and he was doing marvelous things, and, 
they said our rulers and our priests handed him over to be condemned and crucified. Yeah. So they knew. But then they could, and so Jesus started talking to him then. After he rebuked them, he said, how foolish you are to not know. And he, he told them from beginning with Moses, all of the scriptures that related to him. Yeah. All, and all the Psalms and all the, all the prophecies about Jesus Christ. Fascinating. And, and then, then and, and also, what is so amazing to me here is, in, in, in verse 29, when they got close to where they were going, he acted as if he were going further. He, just, he kept on going. Yeah. And they said, don't go. They strongly urged him to stop with them because it was evening time. That's it, right. It was getting night. And so Jesus went into it. They invited him in. And they, had, they didn't even know his name. I don't think that they, they were getting... I, I think they, were, they, they felt something because they talked about later, don't we, when they're talking to themselves about the burning that they were in their, in their hearts as he talked about himself. Yeah. And that's when Jesus introduced himself to them. He blessed the bread and broke it. And then it disappeared. That's powerful. Amen. And so he left them. But look what they did. They went back to Jerusalem. And after they had already convinced him to stay with them because it was already night. So they traveled back to Jerusalem. They walked another seven miles. Yeah. But the point that I'm making here is that as they were walking along and Jesus was telling them about himself, he acted like he was going on further, going on farther down the road. Hmm. He acted like, and I don't know what that says, I don't know what that means. Did he say to them, I'm going, I'm going on down the road? I don't know. I don't know what he said. But he acted like he was going farther. Yeah. And so that got their attention too. But then they knew, and they went back to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, the disciples who were in the upper room, or wherever they were, they were meeting together, and there were other people there, and they told them what happened. Yeah. And, 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 there was, and also they recounted some things to Jesus that, uh, that they had heard that some of the women had been to the tomb, and they had visions of angels. Yeah. They, they didn't talk about they talk about Mary. Said I saw him, I talked to him. Yeah. Because she went and told the disciples. But he acted like he was going further from them. So here again, in my in my in my thinking, is it's another place where after Jesus even told them who he was, he he was just going to go on. And they had to ask him. Stay with me. Stay yeah. with us. Yeah. Now what happened after the, he, when the prayer, when Jesus offered a prayer and broke the bread and offered it to them, he disappeared. They didn't have any more conversation with him. That's right. But they knew who he was. Yeah. And that, maybe that's the whole point. 
even though he was acting like he was going to go further from down the road that they were on, maybe the point is that they invited him in. And they invited him in for a conversation, they thought. Yeah. Something in them wanted to know more. They wanted to know, who is this? And when he vanished from them, it was self-evident. Then they knew, yeah. So he demonstrated his mighty power in their presence without disturbing them totally. It took them through a process. Right. And maybe that's the whole point, too, that what God does with us helps us understand what it means to be frail and what it helps us understand what it means to be where we cannot comprehend totally. Yeah. Paul said it very clearly when he talked about heaven. No eye has seen, no ear or has ear has heard, That's right. or mind has conceived what it's going to be like. That's right. I think you're right. I think they're in this, this, this vulnerable state where they're, the, the guy that they thought was the Messiah has been killed. And they think it's over. Yeah. And, it, and Luke does say they're two disciples. He even names them Simon and Cleopas. And then as they're walking along, they, they're mourning the loss of their Savior. And maybe the point here is, or maybe one of the points is, being aware that you have a friend in Jesus who wants to show up when you're hurting, That's right. doesn't force himself on you, doesn't show up with flash and bang ever, no. essentially ever, until he comes back with this yeah. trumpet. Yeah. But he shows, up in our, he shows up in our moments of weakness in a way that we can take some time to, to understand that he's, that he's there. And he wants us to invite him into our suffering. Right. Because I think when we're hurting, he knows. He suffered the same as we do. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted. That's right. He was, he was human. He was God, but he was human. And, that's, and sometimes we forget that. That he knows. He knows what it means to be hungry. He knows what it means to not have sleep. He knows what it means to be afraid. And he knows what it means to experience loss. That's right. Because what did he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's right. He felt lost. And so when we encounter, when we, when we reach the end of, the end of our own rope, so to speak, where we come to a point where there's nothing else that we can do, that's when we need to cry out to Jesus. Help me. That's right. That's all you have to say. Help me. I can't do this myself. That's right. And and in the midst of our grief, sometimes we we all we can think about is what's happening to us. And that's when we need to stop and say, "Okay." That's right. But none of us none of us have suffered like our Lord did. That's right. None of us have suffered to the shedding of our own blood. And now, even, do we have pain? Do we have struggles? Are those, are those legitimate? And I'm not trying to minimize those at all because they are. And is grief sometimes overwhelming? Yes. Is grief sometimes all you can ever think about? Yes. And is loss sometimes all you can ever think about? Yes. Yeah. And, and all you can, when you come, when you come to the conclusion that said, you just say, I'm hurting Help me. I'm hurting. I can't do this. And that's what he wants. That's what God wants. Yeah. He wants us to be willing 
to come to him. Yeah. And he, he has paid, he has done everything he can do to make a way for us. And that's where we should be thankful. That's right. And so in the midst of, in, as, as, as in the midst of our struggles and in the midst of our pain, when we can't see any other way, then we have to hand it off to him. That's right. Just turn it over to Jesus. That's right. Turn it over to God and say, help me. That's why he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your cares upon him. I was just reading that yesterday, that, that several places where we're told that this metaphor of casting, like throwing our cares upon him. And I read, um, I can't remember who said this, um, but it was uh, this metaphor of we're, we're casting our cares in the river, casting them in the ocean, yeah. and then God has to come along and put a sign up that says no fishing because we come <laughs> along and we, we go try to catch them again, right, and reel them back in. Like really let him have them. Like, like recognize that he's your friend and, he, and he's walking along the road beside you. He's walking in the water next to you. He comes alongside you in the storm, but he doesn't force himself upon no, you. He doesn't. And he, all he ever waits for is an invitation. That's right. Open the door. That's all he ever waits for. Uh, uh, we've talked about this before, too. Is I, I, somewhere I have a, a, a picture uh, of Jesus knocking on the door, and there's no door handle on the outside. Yeah, you have to let him in. That's wow. It. You know, Dad, talking of devastation, speaking of people who are in, a, in the midst of a situation that is, probably feels impossible and very out of their control, we ought to bring up Israel right now and what's happening there. Um, we just found out this morning our friend Katrina Henderson is there in Tel Aviv. Um, she's a, a former pastor at Hillsong Israel. He lives in Australia, endorsed Hope as the first dose for me. Um, and she's there. She's visiting friends in Israel right now and in danger. And so I, I think it would be um, appropriate for you to pray for Katrina and for the people of Israel and all the devastation that's happening there. And, and for peace and safety and, mm. and, and restoration and rescue. Um, those are some people who are um, in the midst of flash and bang and devastation. And oh, they, need, they need some ministering. They need some help. And so can we pray yeah, for Israel right now? Thank you. Thank you. Well, Father, we give you thanks for the day that you have made. And we rejoice in it. And we come into your presence. And all we can say is thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for all of our blessings. Thank you for our food, clothing, and shelter. You've blessed us in abundance. We have more than we need. We're blessed and highly favored. We're blessed beyond measure. Amen. Thank you for being mindful of us, watching over us, protecting us from harm, especially the little ones, Father. Thank you. But, Father, on our heart and on our mind are the people in Israel. and the, The devastation there is incomprehensible to me. I cannot understand the kidnappings, the the murder, and the slaughter that is going that is taking place there, and uh, and, and it, it, it escapes me about the the retribution that will be taken and is being planned right now. But Father, we pray that you will bless that area, that you bless that you bless them with peace, that you bless them with with comfort and understanding, Father. So Father, and and we we know people that are there. Uh, and we, we know that there are people that are missing and that we believe that Americans have been kidnapped and we believe that Americans have been killed. So, Father, we just ask you that you would intervene in that process and that you would end that struggle. 
Stop the bloodshed, Father. Amen. Stop the war that's taking place and protect those people that are, that are there. And, and there's so much misinformation right now. We, it's not very clear totally what's happening right now, but we know that war has been, is, is underway. There are people, there are people be shooting at each other. And so, Father, we ask you to, to take, take control of that situation. Just overwhelm it. And I know, I know what you said to Abraham, Father. You said you would bless who, those people that blessed him and that you would curse those people that, that cursed him. And, and we know that God, when he makes a covenant and he makes promises that are they're irrevocable, that's right. He, God doesn't change his mind. We know that you don't change your mind. That's right. We know that you're unchangeable. And we also know that, that, that our thoughts are not even, even they, they don't even matter. They, they fall so short of how, what you think and what your, what your wisdom is. Our wisdom is, is nothing compared to yours. So, Father, we understand that you know, and it's a, it's a very complex situation. And so, but Father, we, we need you. We need your help. We need you to in, demonstrate your mighty power in our presence in that situation. Yes, Father. Help us understand. And Father, we also pray for people that are affected by, by what's happening there. Then we, we, they have friends and loved ones that are there that, that, that we, they don't know what's happened to them. And, and it may be days before they ever know. So, Father, we pray that you would bless them in their, in their, 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 uh, their grief and their un- misunderstanding of the whole situation. But Father, we also ask you to be mindful of us and be, uh, be mindful of all of those people that, are, that we know are struggling. Some are facing situations that are just beyond my understanding. Yes. And I, and I feel, I feel, I have, I feel very sad in some situations when I read the prayers that are on the prayer wall that, that people are just struggling and they're overcome by things that are just torturing them but help us remember where all of, a lot of times that where all that pain and suffering comes from comes from the evil one we, we know that he's at work and yes. we know that he's at work in the Middle East and he has been there for, at work in the Middle East. And Father, we, we just ask you in Jesus' name that you would come and that you would show us all of that. How to get out of that situation. But we would ask you to take control of it and stop it. Oh, Father, we wait on you. We trust you. We have confidence in you. We, but we, we need you, Father. And we need you in, in, our, own, in our own community. And we need you we need you right where we are. And if there is, if, there, if revival is taking place, Father, prayer is, our prayer is that it begins with us and that we don't wait for it. So, Father, we, we wait on you and we ask it all in the sweet and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, your Son and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tata. You know, if, if people are struggling... And they're going through hard times. They're devastated with the massive thing. They're on the road marked with suffering, as Matt Redwin would say. They're in the storm of their lives. It's a good reminder today, what you brought us, a good reminder to be on the lookout because God is close to the brokenhearted. It's a promise. Psalm 34, 18, He promises you 
that he's close to the broken heart. Isaiah 30, 18, he says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. So be aware, friend, that God is looking to help you when you are suffering. But he comes in a still, small voice. That's right. He comes walking on the water, and he will pass by if not invited in. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself upon us. And so just like our, our friend John Swanson always says, when, when you're hurting, the best thing somebody can do for you is to show up and shut up. Like, that's that's right. almost like what Jesus does. He shows up, but he waits for you to say, help me. That's right. Help me. That's right. And so if we're going to change our posture from, from looking for the Big Bang and looking for the, the God to show up in the, in the thunder and the earthquake to learning that he really shows up in the still small voice and, and the figure walking by, that we could miss if we're not asking for him to come in. When should we start? We start today. We start today. Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by my brand new book, Hope is the First Dose. It's a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. It's available everywhere books are sold. And I narrated the audio book if you're not already tired of hearing my voice. Hey, the theme music for the show is Get Up by my friend Tommy Walker, available for free at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. They are supplying worship resources for worshipers all over the world to worship the Most High God. And if you're interested in learning more, check out TommyWalkerMinistries.org. If you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, and go to my website and sign up for the newsletter, Self-Brain Surgery, every Sunday since 2014, helping people in all 50 states and 60-plus countries around the world. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today.